Welcome to the Let's Get Real podcast with Justin and Trisha Davis, where we invite you into honest conversations about life, love, and leadership. Welcome to season three. You guys, today is the day I am so excited. This podcast is releasing, which means Justin Davis's book number two is releasing into the world. You can find it on Amazon, which we would love for you to purchase it. And we want to do something fun. Justin is obsessed with the podcast, um, How I Built This. Yes. And so we thought we would do something different. And we did a live event on Sunday night on our Facebook page and just had a chat with people on our Facebook community page. We also went live on Instagram. So if you are listening to this and you joined us, thank you so much. But it's really a conversation where I get to interview Justin. It was really fun. And I was kind of nervous. I'm not going to lie because I'm like, I don't, not sure I can remember like what's in the book and what's in real life, but it's just a great conversation. So I hope you enjoy it. All right. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our Facebook page. We have our Instagram account going as well. Um, And if you are joining us, we would love to uh, hear from you. So feel free to leave a comment. Let us know um, where you're listening in from or um, any questions you may have. If we have time, we may try and do a little Q&A. We are doing Facebook Live and we are doing Instagram Live. So and we are recording tonight for our podcast on Tuesday. We're just, we're trying to do, we're juggling all kinds of things right now. <laughs> well, I thought it would be really fun. Um, if you are new to Refine Us Ministries, Justin and I have a podcast called Let's Get Real Podcast, and we have celebrated our third season, and we've had all kinds of fun guests. Uh, we're having our kids on for the first time, I think in November, which will be interesting. Uh, But we thought it would be fun to kind of coincide what we do on the Let's Get Real podcast here on an actual live event. And this actually started because of Justin's obsession with the (laughs) How I Built This podcast. podcast. Yeah. So I love uh, the podcast that I love the most is a podcast called How I Built This. And it's really a guy, the, the host of it makes the podcast. But one of the things that they do is they they do how I built this live, and so they'll go to a city, they sell tickets. There's a there's an audience sitting there while they interview a guest, and then the audience gets to interact with the guest as well. Yeah. And so I said to Trish, I said, "What if we?" She loves it when I do this. I said, "I've got an idea." I said, "What if we?" Uh, do our Facebook live on Sunday night and record it for the podcast. So it's like, it's kind of like a virtual how I built this live only it's let's get real live with a Facebook audience. So if you're confused, welcome, welcome to the let's get real podcast uh, here on Facebook live and Instagram live. If you're uh, following along, we want to invite you as well. And today it's funny because as we prepare for our guests on our podcast, we research, we read their books And I'm like, oh, okay, Justin, you're going to be our guest tonight on our podcast slash Facebook slash all the things live. And so I was thinking, oh my gosh, I need questions. But when you're married to the author and you have lived out a lot of his book, I'm like, gosh, I can't remember. Is this in the book or is this like our real life? So (laughs) we're just going to get real. But tonight we are going to just take a deep dive because on Tuesday, as you can see, we've got the sweatshirts. Uh, Justin got these made for 
me and our kids. And his book comes out, Being Real is Greater Than Being Perfect. And the joke is, I have not been able to say the title. I'm, <laughs> but I just did. I'm really proud of myself. Yes, you did, you did good. Yeah. We've had to take two takes sometimes for lead-ins for the podcast because Trish couldn't remember the title of my book. Yeah, I truly am dyslexic, so you just never know what's going <laughs> to come out of my mind. Hi, Pamela, Tim, thanks for joining us. So we're going to dive right in and we're going to talk. I'm going to actually interview Justin, which will be really fun. And if you have hung around on the Let's Get Real podcast, you know that Justin and I, um, we have our guest interviews and then we do uh, just an interview, a conversation between just Justin and I. But this time, like, I'm going to actually try and interview him. But sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry. So it'll be interesting where this lands. But share with us, Justin, first of all, kind of where the journey began for this book. So those of you that are familiar with our ministry, you know that in 2013, Trish and I wrote a book called Beyond Ordinary, When a Good Marriage Just Isn't Good Enough. And that book really was a reflection of the journey that we had been on in our marriage. Uh, our marriage imploded in 2005. We were separated. And so it kind of chronicles the lead into that story and how we found restoration and redemption. Mm -hmm. And by God's grace um, and, and a lot of hard work, um, the book did really well. And, and so we had an agent at the time that was super supportive. We had a publisher at the time that was really impressed with how, as a first time author, we had all kinds of speaking engagements and stuff and it was going really well. We were like writing this, this high really. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because when we talk about that, people are like, oh, that's amazing. But we really literally go around the country talking about the worst parts of our story. So it's not like it's this platform <laughs> of, hey, we're amazing. You should be like us. It's more like, hey, we've been there. And we say that our ministry has really been one where we go first to help others go second. So take us where this kind of book began in your heart and mind. So we get to 2014, 2015. Uh, the book's been out a year and a half or two years. Our agent comes to us and says, do you guys have any ideas for another book? And one of the things that happens at any speaking event is somebody will come up and say, thank you so much for being real. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for being transparent. How are you guys so authentic? And we didn't necessarily know how to quantify that because mm -hmm. we were just being ourselves. We were just doing what we felt like God called us to do. And as I started to process that, I thought, man, people really need a pathway to figure out how they don't have to fake their spiritual growth. It's as we're real and honest mm -hmm. that God brings transformation to our heart. So we put this book proposal together and we haven't necessarily shared this publicly, but our agent at the time uh, he had he had worked for Thomas Nelson for years and had gone out and became an agent and a literary agent. And he's like, you guys, this is a hundred thousand dollar book. He's like, this is unbelievable. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. He's like, this is going to be incredible. And we're like, boom. Yeah. And then and he shopped it to like <laughs> 20, 27 publishers. And they all said no. So we were like, okay. Zero offers, nothing. None and of. and so we actually found out that we didn't get any offers when we moved uh, from Nashville to Indianapolis to start the church. And life just got busy. Yeah. And, and I think I, I rejection, uh, you, I talk about this in the book, rejection is a very big deal to me. I've, I've been rejected repeatedly in my life. And so that feeling of rejection, I didn't want to deal with it. And so we just kind of shelved it and said, okay, it is what it is. We started the church, we adopted two kids and life just took off. Mm -hmm. And then in 2021, 
through a conversation with Micah, we started our oldest son, yeah. Micah, who is a 27 year old church planner. He just planted his church last weekend. So, yes. and he has a book coming out in two weeks called trailblazers. Y'all it's just crazy. But anyway, so, um, Mike is like, you know, you need to, maybe you need to revisit that. And he kind of, you know, spoke some stuff into us at that time. And, and so, um, I redid the book proposal. I sent it to a new agent and he started shopping it around. And the reason why nobody wanted it was because it wasn't a marriage book. It's not a marriage book. Yeah. And what's so funny right now is all day today and all weekend, it's, it's actually been number one in Christian marriage on Amazon. Um, which is funny because it's not a marriage book. Um, but I think what I was telling Trish and the kids a few weeks ago, I was somewhat resentful initially that it took 10 years yeah. for the book to get published Yeah, because I've been living in it in yeah. the message for so long. Yeah. But the book is different now yeah. than it would have been 10 years ago or eight years ago. I remember um, us talking to our friend, uh, Allie Worthington, and this was probably like 2000 and... I don't know, maybe 14. And I just told her my disappointment that the book got turned down. And she just said something to me that was just so prophetic, but then also really made me mad at the same time. And she's like, I just have a feeling that the book you're supposed to be writing hasn't been lived yet. And boy, was she right. And so really take us through the past two years up to, um, you know, you get the go ahead to write this book. And it really becomes this journey of discovery that you've been living. This message has been the common theme from friends who have known us for 30 plus years to um, family and friends. They have said, gosh, Justin, this book is you like you have lived this out. Well, I think, you know, one of the things that has been kind of true about us is we want people to feel like they have a safe place to share. They have a safe place to belong. Mm -hmm. And we use our story really um, not, not for shock purposes, but to, to let people know you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. God can take you exactly where you are and he can transform you into not who you're pretending to be, but who he has called you to be. And this was a message that I really um, struggled with two years ago because we had just found out that the church was getting ready to close. Mm -hmm. uh, we had, we planted a church, it went through COVID. We had all kinds of facility issues. So the church closes in April. My agent is shopping this book while the church is closing. And Trish and I found out in 2021 that our dads aren't our dads. Um, it's a longer story, but that's, we found that out. So we're processing all of that trauma in addition to the trauma of closing the church. We go to Colorado to do a life plan, which basically, I mean, he could have thrown darts up at a board and told us, you know, this is your, this is your life. Yeah, and people are like, like, how were you through that? And I said, well, I sat down and I told our uh, coach, I'm like, I'm just going to be honest with you. I feel a little fight club right now. So I'm not really sure what you're going to say. But it, it did begin a journey for both of us where like by the end of it, like we were kind of feeling more lost before we were found. And then like the last day, yeah. kind of like this, that breakthrough that you always pray for, just it just kind of happened. I'm talking like we were in this life coaching session for two straight days. This is the third day. And I'm like, well, we tried. Well, and I just felt so hopeless. I felt like such a failure 
I felt like everybody that had trusted me to be the pastor of the church, other churches that had invested in the church, I felt so directionless. And we were sitting at lunch on this uh, terrace of overlooking the Rocky Mountains with our coach. And I look at my phone, and it's an email from Dan on the last day of this life who's, plan. Who's Dan? Dan is our literary agent. Okay. No, yeah, yeah, Dan's our literary agent. We're with, <laughs> we're, we're with Michael, who is our life coach at the time. And I said, oh, my gosh, David C. Cook just sent me an offer for the book. And it was just like, it was almost like God had just, like, sprinkled just a little grace in yeah. the midst of such a, I mean, I'm getting emotional. But I just felt like I just needed that. You know what I mean? I didn't need the whole thing to play out. I just, I was in this season where I just like, okay, God, do you hear me? Like, do you, do you see me? Do you know how much I'm hurting? Do you know how much I, I I just need direction. I just need something. Mm -hmm. And they could have offered me $5 um, to write the book. It, It didn't, the monetary aspect of it was not important at that point. It was just like, an answer to prayer that we had been so desperate for. Well, it became like a, a platform for your pain and an opportunity to share how you found transformation in that journey. And on the very last day, Justin gets this email and then our coach, Michael, like literally has our life up on the wall. And he like from 1993, when we met all the way to like that day. And it was just, it looked like the Rocky Mountains. It was like, good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. And he's like, you know, what do you see in this? And I can't say what I actually said on, you know, live. I may have used four letter word in an inappropriate word, but I'm like, it just crap. Crap is a four letter word too. too. Like it just looks like a crap show. And he's like, you know what I see? I see resiliency Hmm. and I see resiliency through transparency and that really is where the the encouragement for being real um, is greater than being perfect. And so talk a little bit, Justin, for someone who's watching, who will listen to the podcast, um, really what is, I, transformation can kind of be, a, you know, that Christian buzzword that you use, but what is truly like the secret sauce of transformation? Well, You know, for those of you that know our story, you know that, you know, our marriage imploded due to infidelity. Well, the backstory of that is I struggled with pornography for 10 years and never told Trish. And not just pornography, but I I struggled with insecurity. I struggled with feeling abandonment. I've struggled with, um, you know, anger at times. Like there, there was a number of different struggles that I had. And if you're anything like me, we promise ourselves, no matter what our struggles are, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to say that again. I'm not going to react like that again. I'm never going to treat my kids like that again. I'm not going to, you know, drink that again or whatever, whatever your struggle is. There's always these promises of God, I'm never going to do that again. I promise. Or if I were really strong in my faith, I wouldn't struggle with this. If I wouldn't, if I were a better Christian, I'd be a better mom. If I were a better Christian, I would be a better husband. And so I had this sense of defeat because no matter how hard I tried and no matter how much I promised, I, I wasn't able to usher in the transformation that I knew that I wanted as a man, as a follower of Jesus, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor. And so what I did was I just pretended to be better than I really was. I pretended I didn't have the issues that I really did, hoping that I could behave my way into some type of life change. 
And once we started sharing our story and once we, once we began to really unpack how we experienced transformation as a couple, it wasn't from trying harder. It was from coming to the end of ourself. It mm-hmm. was from, it was from surrendering more. I think it's why Jesus says, you know, to die daily, like to take up your cross daily and follow him. Like there's an, there's an aspect of, as you die to yourself, as you come to the end of yourself, as you put away the pretenses of following Jesus and actually just say, I am a freaking mess and I don't have any hope other than you. It's, it's at that point that God gives us his power to begin to bring the transformation to our life that we deeply desire. And I think so many people are going to church these days and very few people are changing Mm -hmm. and they're singing the songs and they're, they're, they're praying the prayers, they're joining small groups, but transformation is like this elusive thing that they think other people are experiencing and they're not. And so the heart of the book really is to take the reader on a path to identify what authenticity is, what it's not, and then how you can orient your life to become the person that God has created you to be, not who you're pretending to be and not who other people think you should be, but who God authentically created you to be. Well, let's pray. Um, oh, hi, Brooker. Um, Kevin's joining us. Tim is still Tim on. and his wife. Yeah. Hey, Eric Hopkins. I went to, I went to high school with Eric Hopkins and awesome. that's why he says old friend. Cause we're both old. <laughs> Justin, you all are 50. I don't know if you're 50 yet, but, um, You know, it goes to show just in what you shared in the book, the thing about this book of being real is everybody wants to be real, but I think for many of us, the expectation is to be perfect, Um, to be the perfect spouse, be perfect friend, be perfect, uh, you know, parent. Uh, So it, everybody I think wants to be real, but then we live in a real world that wants a you know, perfect us. And so the book, you put it in three different, um, parts. And so the first one is paralyzing predicament, which is, (laughs) I have a hard time with that. Um, but the second part is the path from perfect to real. And then the last is embracing God's preferred picture for you. But you have a whole chapter on, I think one of the greatest issues we face when it comes to, um, wanting to be real. And that is, um, shame. You know, Mm -hmm. we, we've seen, uh, if you know anything about Brene Brown, you know, she is a, um, I I don't know, she has a million degrees, I think. Um, but she studied shame for a long time and people told her no one's going to buy a book on shame. Nobody wants to talk about shame. Nobody wants to be real about shame. They just want to see the perfect you. And, you know, then that message for Brene just like blew up and it really, I feel like she went first almost for you to go second in this whole chapter about shame. Share a little bit about that. Well, I've got a couple of different perspectives or a couple of different angles I can, I'll share and I'll try to do it succinctly. (laughs) (laughs) When we speak, we say, Trish is over here looking at her watch. Uh, When we speak, we say, Trish can say a lot in a very short amount of time. I can say very little in a long amount of time. (laughs) Um, I'm not ashamed about it though. Um, Dad joke. Um, Well, when we, when we first started going through our restoration process, it had been about maybe a year after the affair we had moved, we had started like a brand new life. And I just could not get over what had taken place. I knew that I was forgiven. I knew that Trisha forgave me. I knew that God forgave me. Um, I knew that we had been given a second chance. I was grateful, 
but I could not forgive myself. And I'll never forget, we were um, in our Zionsville house where, where we used to live, where we kind of moved to, we called it the house of healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were in our kitchen and I just broke down and started crying. And Trisha's like, what is going on with you? You're just not yourself. And I said, I just, I just can't get over, I just can't get over what I did to you. I just can't get over what I did to the church. And, and Trish said, you know, I have forgiven you and God has forgiven you. It's, it's time that you forgive yourself. And it was, I don't, it wasn't like some magic formula and no one teaches you how to forgive yourself, but it was this reality that what shame convinces us is conviction says what you're doing is wrong. Shame says you are a bad person and you are wrong because of what you did. And shame will tell you that you'll never be loved. You'll never be worthy. You'll never be good enough. You're never going to get back what you, whatever choices you've made have cost you. And shame can rob us of God's grace because we don't allow ourselves to experience his love. Mm -hmm. And so that conversation was really a turning point for me of what it means to not see myself in the past. And, and that's hard too. And I was, this is what I was, this is the second angle that I was going to take is when we first started telling our story and first started traveling and speaking to marriage conferences, I said to Trish after like a year and a half of it, I'm like, I'm the affair guy. We go to, mm-hmm. we go to churches and I tell the worst thing that I've ever done. And so it was, it was a process for me to work through to get to a place where I was telling a story about someone who didn't exist. Like, I don't live in the past. I, I, I remember the past, but I don't live in it. And I think shame tries to keep you from God's best for you by reminding you of your past and saying, you know what? You're never going to change. You're never going to be able to overcome your past. And that can rob you of, of, of the future that God has for you. And I think all of us, I mean, if that's not a main source um, that keeps you in this place of pretending to be perfect, I think all of us in some way, shape, or form have struggled with shame. And then when we struggle with shame, we shame ourselves for struggling with shame. It just like becomes this um, kind of um, downfall. But it, you know, you do such a great job. What I love about the book, guys, is that not only does Justin, you know, kind of share his story, he gives, um, you know, practical wisdom of like, how to go about, you know, breaking those those thought processes and breaking those habits of speaking that over you. Um, I, and I think another barrier from, you know, choosing to be real um, and choosing to be perfect is the idea of people pleasing. And in fact, on page 111, Justin has this like test that you can take. And I, I'll be honest with you. I think if I took this probably even five years ago, I would have failed miserably. Um, but it is something, you know, we all have a lane that we kind of drift to when we feel exposed or when we feel like, I don't know, somebody like knows information about us that we don't want them to know. And so we go to acting like we're perfect rather than being real and authentic and honest. And, you know, part of that honesty is, you know, naming what you feel shameful for and, um, kind of reclaiming your heart from that shame. Yeah. And would you agree that it's, it is a process and not like a choice? Like you do it one time and then you're good for the rest of your life, which would be incredible. 
I tell a story, I tell a couple stories, and especially, especially in the people pleasing chapter, I am a people pleaser. And I talk about that, you know, for the first, you know, 40 years of my life, I felt like the reason that I went into ministry was because God called me to. And that, that is true. God did call me into ministry. God called me to be a pastor. That is authentic. But what I began to realize as I wrote the book and as I looked back on my ministry career, because I'm not in pastoral ministry, is one of my primary motivations was I wanted to be liked. Mm. I wanted the, that was a great message. I wanted people to say, oh my gosh, that this church is incredible. Like I needed that affirmation. And it was, it was a drug that I got every single Sunday, man, that message was awesome, man, this church is amazing, man, we just love your teaching. And when you allow that to become the driving force in your life, when you don't have that, it's almost like you feel like nobody likes me. Nobody's proud of me. Nobody, nobody is pleased with me. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was a realization that I came to. Um, But I I also talk about um, our one star reviews on Amazon and I share. Have we read those on our podcast? I think we have. Yeah. I think there there is. You guys have to search for it. It's pretty funny. They're brutal, but you know, but I, when, when we wrote beyond ordinary, I mean, it's, it's our story. And there, I share two of my favorite uh, one-star reviews, and I'll, I'll share what I can remember from uh, one of them. Basically, they question my salvation. Uh, they question your sanity. True. And they wonder if our kids will ever amount to anything being raised by two egomaniacs like us. <laughs> Which is funny. I'm like, they did not read the book because I don't know, like three chapters into Beyond Ordinary, you're like, I feel good about my life. But, you know, you you do talk about like that, that perfection piece of wanting to be um, comes to play when you are looking for that drug to be filled, that value to be filled by. And there, I, I want to make a clarification that this doesn't negate good leadership. You know, good leadership inspires people. Good leadership, um, you know, brings people on mission together. So it, it there's part of that that's a both and. But when your leadership capacity becomes more about pleasing rather than leading, and then that pleasing becomes your uh, drug of choice, man, it is really hard to live up to that that standard. And so we've talked about shame. We've talked about people pleasing. But really, you talk about like the the beginning works of choosing to be real um, is greater than being perfect is like brutal honesty. <laughs> and he shares uh, one of the funniest stories, which I think just so fits right now because it's about uh, Tay-Tay. Yes, I'm not a Swifty, but uh, neither is my son. Uh, no, he's not. <laughs> but Taylor Swift, uh, years and years and years ago, I mean, she was just a baby, um, came to ten years, ten years ago. Came to our church in Nashville. We lived in Nashville, Tennessee, and you know the story is just hilarious. She came in, and I mean, she was well known even ten years ago, obviously, but she was just trying to um, go to church. Yeah, and so. I don't, I don't really know what happened. We were actually doing live, like baptisms where, you know, it was just an invitation. Anybody can get baptized. And like, it seemed like everybody wanted to get baptized where they really just wanted to see Taylor Swift. So So, people started mad rushing her section to get, 
to get her autograph during the baptism worship song. It was the most sacrilegious thing of all time. So the she just kind of stays. We clear out uh, after the service. We we clear everybody out, and Justin is in the foyer. And our church at the time was like in an older building, so the foyer were super tiny. Like yeah, you you could not not run into each other. And so I don't know where I was, but you, Justin, you were at a different campus that day. Okay, and I was teaching. I I, I taught that morning. And so we were trying to wait for people to leave so we can kind of usher Taylor out a side door. And so we're standing there and uh, Blake Bergstrom, who was our Nashville campus pastor, he has four daughters and they were falling all over themselves. I mean, they were just a wreck that Taylor Swift is at our church and they just you know, goo goo eyes and couldn't get enough. And I said to Taylor, I said, hey, I said, I only my wife is at another campus. I only have one of my sons here. I said, would you mind if I introduce you to him, maybe take a picture. And uh, she's like, no, that's no problem at all. So I said, Elijah, come on over here and meet Taylor Swift. And so Elijah comes over, he reaches out his hand, very, you know, very polite. He's like, hi, Taylor, I'm Elijah. I don't listen to your music. And then leaves. (laughs) And and I honestly don't remember what happened after that. I blacked out and I submitted my resignation immediately. Um, But it was, you know, there's honesty and then there's brutal honesty. <laughs> and that was brutal honesty. And I think her ego was big enough to take it. But it was just, it was what it was. I used that to illustrate or to, to lead into the, the chapter on brutal honesty because I think for many of us, we want to build a strong relationship with Christ and we want to have a strong faith. And we can trust God with our eternity. Like we trust Him with our eternal destiny. We believe that Jesus is going to save us from sin. He's going to prepare a place for us to live with him for all of eternity. And yet we can't trust him with our honesty. Mm-hmm. We can't trust him with our sadness or our anxiety or emotions. And we, we hold back from him. And that this chapter specifically is my favorite chapter of the entire book because I talk about Mary and Martha who were very close to Jesus and the brutal honesty that each of them in their own way Mm -hmm. deliver to Jesus. And if you look all throughout the gospels, though the people who were closest to Jesus had the most honest conversations with him, they recognized his deity, but it did not compromise their honesty or their authenticity with him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mary and Martha, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Uh, Thomas (laughs) who traveled with him, saw him perform miracles. I'm not going to believe he rose from the dead until I can touch him. And Jesus did not chastise Thomas. What did he do? He meets him in the upper room and invites him to touch him. I mean, he invites him into that doubt. And I just love that. That And, I, and so that, that chapter on brutal honesty, I think, is a turning point in this journey from being perfect to being real. You do have to deal with your shame. But after you overcome shame, then you have the courage and you have the trust to be brutally honest with Jesus. And it's at that point then that you actually begin to build a relationship with him based on trust and not based on pretense or perfection or pretending. Mm -hmm. As we kind of close our time, um, one of the quotes that you have in the book, it's on page 138, and it says, the trials or wounds you've endured aren't a reflection of God's love, but they can reflect God's glory. And I mean, what a profound statement that I think for many of us, 
we try to be perfect versus being real because our trials and wounds are, are difficult. And the ones that we've endured, oftentimes, if you're anything like me, or I'm sure like you, we go, gosh, what's up, God? Like, it does feel like sometimes it is a reflection on us. Like, God, we're like, where are you? And you speak to this of like the trial and wounds that we've endured, they, they're not a reflection of God's love. We live in a broken world, but it's an opportunity. And really that is your life message is giving God glory through the mess because we have, we, there, I don't, unless I missed it, there's not a chapter of we figured it all out. Like, <laughs> that's, that's the next book. <laughs> that would be a New York Times bestseller. <laughs> but if, just as we close, like the last question is, what is one piece of advice you would give to someone who does compartmental their life? And, and maybe the compartmentalization is God is here. Um, my value is over here. My, my, you know, my job, my relationships, all of them kind of have their own place and we want to take steps and change, but it's like, how do you make the steps where it doesn't feel like five happy hops to being the real you? Like, yeah. how would you respond to that? Well, I do think, and I, I call it a path for a reason. It's a path. It's not five happy hops, right? Mm -hmm. And a path, I mean, look at how long it took the Israelites to get from, you know, uh, the, you know, Egypt to the promised land it took them 40 years because they, they lost their way. And so I do want to, I do want to say this isn't a book about self-help. Um, but I think if you are struggling with compartmentalization and you have, you know, your church life, you have your work life, you have your home life, we have all of these imposters as Brennan Manning calls them that we create. Why? Not because we want to be liars. We create imposters and we create false selves because we want to be loved, right? Our, our greatest desire is that we would be known. Our greatest fear is that we won't be loved. And so that's why we compartmentalize our life. It's not because we want to live in duplicity or because we want to hide the truth from God or the people that we love. We don't be, we're not fake because we want to be pretend. We're fake because I'm fearful that if you really know me, you're not going to love me. Mm -hmm. And so one of the realizations that I really try to get people to, to kind of adopt toward the end of the book is that God can only heal the parts of our heart that we're willing to give to him that just like he doesn't force himself into our salvation, he won't force himself into our transformation. And I think in the church, what's happened is we have confused forgiveness from sin, of sin with healing for sin, right? And every time you and I sin, it, there's a breaking of intimacy with God, with the people that we love. We're not talking like big moral failures. I'm just talking like, you know, white lies or, or compromises that we make in everyday life. Those, those erode the intimacy that we're created to experience. And I think it's what it's easy to do is it's easy to say, well, I'm just going to pretend my way out of that. And it's actually that God transforms those parts of our heart as we surrender them to him. And he brings healing to our heart as we acknowledge what's been broken, what has been wounded. Mm -hmm. And then we have the capacity to experience his transformation. Hmm. The comment, um, Brooke, who it, it's interesting if, if you're listening on the podcast, this is like on our Facebook live feed. Um, Brooke has been one of my best friends for, oh, I mean, almost 30 years. We're like that old. We met in college and she just stated it's a lot of self-protecting and not letting people know all of us. Yeah. And um, 
the reason I love that Brooke put that is because her and I and two of our other close friends, Jody and Angie, like we have lived crazy, crazy life together. And there have been seasons where um, we haven't been real and honest with each other. And we kind of just wanted each other to know that we were we were good. We were good. And then I think each and every one of us hit a season in our life where everything hit the fan. And we realized that um, community is so much more richer when we are willing to let people um, know us. Our friend, our friend Brandy Wilson says, you can be um, authentic with everybody, but be transparent with a few. And I think Justin speaks to that in the book of like being real um, isn't about like letting everybody know all of your things. Like that would be unsafe and weird. Um, <laughs> but it is about living your authentic self in, in, and we're not talking about getting to the mountain. It's about saying, you know what, I'm on the journey and I'm not embarrassed about it. And I'm, I'm not ashamed that I don't know. Um, I'm not ashamed that I do know. It's, it's living in the fullness of the messiness of life and knowing that if you're at rock bottom, rock bottom is still solid surface to stand. If you are on the mountaintop, it's the opportunity to reach out and grab someone else's hand to take them up with you. But we can't go on a journey together if we're not allowing ourselves to be fully known and fully loved. So we're excited about the book. As you can see, um, if you haven't gotten it, we would love for you to jump on Amazon and you can purchase the book. It will actually be delivered to you. It goes out October 3rd. So two days from now, which is awesome. And then you are also doing a, another live event, except I won't be on with a, another author that yes. has been kind of fun. They actually met on Amazon as they watched their books go back and forth between position one and position two in the marriage uh, genre on Amazon. Justin's was number one for a season. Maybe you still are. I don't know. But it's not a marriage book, y'all. So I... I have no idea, but we would love for you to... Yes, her um, name is Christy Harden, mm -hmm. and uh, we'll be on Instagram Live yep. tomorrow night at 8, on mm -hmm. Monday, Monday night at 8. If you're listening to this on the podcast, sorry, you missed it. Um, but we'll be on Instagram Live. Uh, for those of you that are watching on, uh, on Facebook right now, we'll be on Instagram Live tomorrow night at 8. And then we're going to be broadcasting... Yeah, Justin's book release party, which is going to be so fun. It's going to be held at Mercy Road Church in at their Carmel campus. And so if you're local, jump on the Facebook page and get your ticket. And we would love to see you there. Or you can join us um, just like you're joining us now. It will be broadcast live. We've got a couple of fun interviews that, you know, some giveaways. Such, I don't know. Maybe we can figure out how to give some love away on the Internet. But Rick. Already pre-ordered the book. That's what I like to hear, yes, Rick. Yes, Rick. Thank you. It's so fun seeing so so many. Uh, I think I saw Randy Unger on here, which is yep. so great. Um, Question. How, how do you let go? How do you let things go and trust that God won't allow you to get hurt again? Ooh. Well, I think that's, that's, that's the risk of being real, right? The risk of being real is vulnerability. And vulnerability leaves you open to being hurt. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you're not living your your full capacity by holding on, right? Like yeah. so, when you're holding on to something, you're not really full of yourself anyway. So mm -hmm. there's a there's a risk either way. It's a risk of being hurt again or not being your full self yeah. anymore. And here's the really hard hard truth: you will get hurt again. Um, people will hurt you because we're infallible. I you will hurt people. 
Um, but the difference is, is when you live in the fullness of transparency of like being your authentic self and not pretending, what happens is you're able to get back to a place of knowing your value and your worth that it doesn't completely take you out because you're not hinged to what that person thinks of you and you're not hinged to your your own failure of how you've wounded somebody. And some of the sweetest and greatest relationships, um, as I mentioned, my college roommates, but even in our relationship with God, think about the times where you probably felt more close to him. Was it time in times of adversity or was it in times of like everything was great? And if you're anything like us, it was in those really hard times where it just kind of felt like we were by ourselves at rock bottom that God meets us. So what feels hard and messy is very true, but you can do the hard and messy, which is going to happen regardless in a place of people pleasing, um, a place of shame, a place of hiddenness, or you can engage with the world fully knowing the confidence of who you are and that you don't have the baggage of pretending to be someone else you're not. And man, I'm telling you, it will set you free um, to be in the mess in a way that uh, won't take you out. So good. Guys, I want to say something as we close um, that I don't often get a chance to say in a live public format, and that is how grateful I am for Trish and just her support and... I say this in the back of the book that although her name isn't on the front cover, her influence and her life and her love is on every single page. And I just, I can't thank you enough for how much you've loved me and how, um, this is our message. I know Mm. I I got to be the vehicle, uh, to bring it into the world, but there would be no being real is greater than being perfect if you didn't love me for the real me. And so I just am thankful for you. Thank you, baby. Okay, I'm not going to cry. I also paid him to say all that. So anyway, um, thank you, love. That was beautiful. And um, I'm excited for this to be birthed out into the world. We love you guys. Thank you so much for being a part of our uh, community. And we hope that you'll return. If you are new to the podcast, we'd love for you to pop on. We have such great guests. Um, our next season, we have just just some really great um can, can I can I give everybody just a little sneak peek of what the month of October is going to look like? Because we're doing a podcast every single week during the month of October. So Trish and I, you're listening to uh, the Guts Get Real podcast on October 3rd for this that's this episode. Next week, October 10th, Carlos and Heather Whitaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, the following week is our own very own son, Micah Davis. Mm-hmm. And then the last week of October to celebrate the release of the book is a good friend of mine. He also plays for the Denver Nuggets. His name is Justin Holiday, And uh, he and his wife came to Hope City briefly, but we've been connected for the last couple of years. And we sit down and talk about authenticity and how the difficulty of being an NBA player and, and Christian yeah. life and marriage and all that. It's a fantastic episode. And so mm-hmm. I can't wait to share all of those episodes with you this month. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. We will see you if you join us on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, right here on the Refine Us Facebook page. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks, guys. guys. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Again, we would love, love, love for you to order his book today. Or if you're listening this later in life, it will be hopefully forever and ever on Amazon or wherever books are sold. You guys are awesome. Thanks so much for joining us.